So what are we going to do on this podcast, Jamin? We're going to answer the question, how to manage a successful career in market research. This message is brought to you by Displayer. How much of your analysis and reporting time is spent doing manual tasks? All that cutting and pasting, formatting, checking for mistakes, redoing work, using too many tools, and trying just to figure it all out. Try Displayer today. It's software that automatically does the painful tasks for you. Thousands of companies already use Displayer to cut their analysis and reporting time literally in half. I use the platform, I love it, and I know. Get a demo and a free trial at displayer.com slash happy, spelled D-I-S-P-L-A-Y-R dot com forward slash happy. This episode is brought to you by SurveyMonkey. Almost everyone is taken at surveys, but did you know that SurveyMonkey offers complete solutions for market researchers? In addition to flexible surveys, their global audience panel and research services, SurveyMonkey just launched a fast and easy way to collect market feedback with seven new expert solutions for concept and creative testing. With built-in customizable methodologies, AI-powered insights, and industry benchmarking, you can get feedback on your ideas from your target market in a presentation-ready format, by the way, in as little as an hour. For more information on SurveyMonkey's market research solutions, visit surveymonkey.com slash market research. That's surveymonkey.com slash market research. Hi, everyone. As Jamin said, we are going into a new podcast series about how to manage a successful career in market research. You might be thinking, why do I care about this topic? Well, for many of us, 2020 left us concerned about our industry and our futures. Yeah, I'm concerned too. In fact, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics recently released their U.S. Unemployment Rates Report for January 2021. Just over 10 million Americans are currently unemployed. Additionally, there are some factors that obscure the actual data. Specifically, companies have been incentivized to keep headcount that they may otherwise let go given budget constraints. But this is all very abstract. Let's get down to a human story. Back in August of 2020, I got a DM on LinkedIn from John. Now, John isn't his real name, but just imagine John. Seriously, take a second. Put John in your head. He's been in market research for about a decade. He has a wife, he has kids, and he has a house. John attends our weekly MRX Pros virtual lunch, and you might actually know him. Anyway, this is what he said. By the way, the podcast is on my top rotation and makes my nights sane. I had to take a second gig to get through these tough times working the night shift at a hotel. While I'm walking around cleaning, stalking the marketplace, and taking out the garbage to check on the resident raccoons, I am often listening to your podcast. If not yours, then I'm listening to the classic rock album by album podcast, end quote. So first off, let me say I've listened to the, and I actually do listen to the classic rock album by album podcast. If you want a belly laugh, check it out. All of us have been impacted by the changes in the labor market. Some stories are tragic, while others are remarkable. Just like John, I've taken a side gig. We are fortunate to have some great sponsors 
who enable me to spend nights and weekends working on this podcast. 2020 taught us we need to be active in terms of managing our careers. This helps ensure we have a deep network, and the better your network, the more opportunities we have. For this series, we interviewed a variety of people. Nadia Masri, serial entrepreneur, founder of Perksy, and Forbes 30 Under 30. Wendy Dunlop Fowler, founder of Insights in Color. Samay Nita, student and aspiring consumer insights professional. And Rebecca Brooks, founder of Alter Agents. How do you manage a successful career in consumer insights? This is a question we asked our guests. Let's hear first from Rebecca. I think that the three keys are first is know exactly who you are. People tend to get into jobs or positions that they think might be a good fit or that they thought would be interesting, but they're not. It is very challenging to navigate a successful career when the decisions you're making about where to go and how to move yourself forward aren't in line with who you really are as a person, what your strengths are. The second is that and, you know, this isn't a revelation for me, but that you should be interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you, in particular, their work culture. I've seen a lot of excellent people take jobs at companies because they were, you know, really interesting or, I don't know, a thousand different reasons. But there were red flags in the interview process that there was something off about the culture that wasn't going to be a good fit for them. And, you know, then they spend the next two to three years struggling at a company that that can really damage a career. So definitely pay attention to the work culture, ask questions about it, make sure that you're going to be a good fit, make sure that your skills are going to be valued and rewarded. And then the third thing I think is don't be afraid to make changes. I've taken some pretty big moves in my career you know, from leaving a senior position at a company to start my own business and other things that I've done along the way. And I think that those risks have always paid off. There have been some things I've done that haven't paid off, but in the in the grand scheme of things, I think that taking risks and pushing yourself brings dividends. Yeah, this is really solid advice. First, know yourself. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? Try and connect those things. Interviewing should be as much about you getting to know them as it is them getting to know you. When you ask a question, you take control of the conversation. It puts you in power. This is something that many employers find very attractive. Always bet on yourself. Many times fear holds us back. We're afraid to post something on LinkedIn. We're afraid to DM someone we'd like to get to know. So we just pass on those ideas and opportunities. Don't do that. If you are building your network, look at LinkedIn. It is great and it is getting better. Recently on Meryl DeBro's podcast, On The Mark, he asked me what I would do if I was just starting off on LinkedIn. For me, I'd start by responding to other people's posts, not with necessarily a thumbs up or a clap or whatever, but with a thoughtful question or response to their post. Then everyone that views their post will see your comment and more importantly, so will the person you're trying to get to know. Nadia started her first company as a teenager. It was a babysitting network that vented, trained babysitters, and coordinated babysitting services. Her current company is a research agency focused on Gen Z. I know in terms of, of what I would look for is 
you know, be, for starters, be ruthlessly devoted to your craft. I think that, you know, I even see this in, in our researchers. They just have this, this inborn curiosity, this innate curiosity. They're constantly fact-finding, they're seeking to discover, and they genuinely derive just great pleasure from being able to do the work that they're doing. Like they, they find it fascinating. Like sometimes, you know, we're not in the office anymore, but when we were, you know, just like a, a little shout up across the office, it's like, hey guys, isn't this fascinating? Like, come check this out. Like, look at what this audience said. And like, look at, look at the product that's winning here. And, you know, I, I think, I think that's the first thing. It's just, you know, being devoted to your craft, really caring about the work that you're actually doing um, and being passionate about it. I think, you know, many people would say that. I think that's almost like a templated answer, but it's really true. The reason it's a cliche is because it's been proven, you know, time and time again to be to be a key marker for success. You know, w without passion, you know, I think passion and success go hand in hand. Without passion, you can't really put in everything that you could, that you absolutely could. And so I think that's the, the key component. The second is really trying to decide for yourself what type of career you want to have within your sector. I mean, there are, there are different types of researchers. You could work for a big company. You could be an innovator. You know, do you, do you want to be a leader? Like what, what sort of, which like micro path do you want to go down? and really sort of try to define for yourself what those interests are. Do you want to be the person who's the trailblazer at a big company, right? You know, some folks might say, you know, I want to go to this, this Fortune 500 brand and I want to do my best to trailblaze there. Whereas others might say, you know, I, I would rather go to a Fortune 500 brand and, and learn what the, what the industry standard is, what's the gold standard of, of how, to think about, how to think about research and how to conduct research. Or do you want to be the person that discovers that research is such a beautiful space. I mean, no one told me about that when I was in high school. No one told me that I could go into research. It was like, here are the boxes for what you can go into. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, you can marketing, PR, you know, all these all these different areas. You could be an engineer, but, but no one told me that I can take all of these different things that I love and find them in one place within the technology space. I loved technology and then I came across research and was like, this is an amazing space. It's so interdisciplinary. I mean, it's the intersection between behavioral science and the brand world and, you know, in my case, technology. And so I think it's it's really trying to, to focus on what is the most important thing that you want to get out of your career and how can you decide which path to follow, you know, based on those decisions. And I would say the third thing in terms of managing career, no, that's a tough one. I, I think I might just have two. I think if maybe the, the third piece of advice is to each their own. You don't have to do anything that anyone tells you you have to do, ever. It is entirely your choice. You get to entirely, I, I don't think that's talked about enough. My parents sort of, they taught me that. My dad used to always tell me that um, quote that's probably on a hundred different magnets, but you know, this is your world, shape it or someone else will. Uh, another thing, you know, my parents taught me was, you know, you never have to apologize for the path that you want to take. You never have to apologize for wanting to do things differently. Instead, you should embrace that because I think I used to when I was younger. I used to feel like because I didn't want to do the same things that everyone else did, that that made me different, maybe wrong somehow. And, you know, that that turned into me becoming an entrepreneur. So I think it's uh, trying to figure out, not just like even don't listen to me, like what I tell you to do with your career. I think it's really about defining it for yourself, figuring out what it is that you want most and 
and following that path. I love your dad's magnet wisdom. This is your world, shape it or someone else will. That is really what we're all doing with our lives. We have the right now and we have the past, but the future is unwritten. In many ways, Nadia is saying we need to bring our fiction into reality. Now, this requires us to have a dream of ourselves. Someone once asked me if there was no evil, no sickness, no limits on financing, no Satan, what would you do? This is one of the hardest thought exercises I have ever done. It literally took me two months to come up with an answer. I'd encourage you to think about what your answer would be. Yeah, that is the point. We need to have an idea of what we want to achieve and then start working towards it. Big, bold steps are really just lots of little steps you've taken over a long period of time. But it is important to have an idea of where you want to go. For me, I really liked Whitney's point of view. She was very focused on getting to know the tactical side of consumer insights. Yeah, it took me a while to kind of figure this out, but I think I have some good ones. I would say get to know the ops side of the business. So the costing, the kind of nitty gritty admin work. I actually started on that side of the business. I was a qualitative field coordinator. I know the cost of everything. I know how things are going to work. I know what recruitment looks like. I know how to think about incentives, et cetera. And it actually makes me a smarter strategist in the long run so that I'm not suggesting lofty goals and ideas with my clients that actually are not affordable. That's also really important as we start talking to more multicultural audiences. Listen, multicultural work, work that's done correctly, it costs money. And I'm tired of us using these old antiquated cost pricing tools based on mainstream, i.e. predominantly white audiences and what we're hoping to get from them. If we want to talk about representative sample, representative consumer groups, we have to pay for them. And that's just what it is. So the more you understand the outside of the business, how things work, the admin, and how long it's going to take to do things, the better strategists you become. The second thing would be admit what you don't know. I believe that many researchers tend to start from a space of assumptions, right? Okay, we're going to come through this project. We're going to, we, this, these are the things we know based on previous work that we've done with probably predominantly white audiences. And this is how we're going to start the work. Every time I get a research brief, especially for semiotics or cultural insights, everyone asks me, oh my gosh, how are you going to do this project? And I have to be honest, Jamin, I never really know because I never know what the results are going to be. And I can admit that as a researcher, I'm fine with saying, I don't know what the answers to this are. That's why you've hired me. And we're going to find some really cool solutions at the end of this because I never fail. You know what I mean? But coming into a project with assumptions, coming into a project thinking that you know where the work is going to go and the solutions that are going to created off the back end that already starts the process of bias in research. So you have to give yourself space and time to figure out the more nuanced things. And if you find that you aren't getting them, then something is wrong in the way that you've crafted that research in the first place. Lastly, I would say speak up and have some cojones. I find that this goes for both internal <laughs> uh, interactions and external interactions. I used to be in a space where I thought all of the researchers in the room came at a, a problem with the same assumptions or the same mindset. 
And it wasn't until I realized that not saying something actually put us in a detriment that I realized my voice actually adds to this work. And I can't assume that people are coming at this knowing what I know. There are a lot of things that could have been prevented had I just spoken up about an idea or something that I knew was inherently wrong, despite my seemingly junior presence in that room. So speak up. If you have something to say, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if you think it's something that's not additive, I promise you it's added to someone's reality. And then more than that, with your clients, I just have my own type of pet peeves with people who kind of roll over for their clients. At the end of the day, our clients are hiring us to be experts um, and they need to see us as such. Letting your clients kind of jump and move all around you doesn't make you look like the most capable strategist. It makes you look like someone who's just willing to do work in the way that your client wants you to. And that's just not what it is. So I find that the clients who love me love me because I have a particular brand of saying what the case is, what it needs to be. I'm always willing to, you know, do the work in the way that they want me to, but I'm also going to present the other side of the argument and say, this is why it's wrong, but we'll do it. (laughs) We'll do it the way you want to, but I'm going to let you know why this is probably not the best way to do it. This is really good advice. There is a calmness we create with our clients when we're assertive from a position of knowledge and data. Recently, I was on a call with Ellen Piper and the client asked something like, can we field our survey in an hour? Ellen responded, we can, but there is such a thing as a time bias. She went on to say, your participants will mostly be professional survey takers. And we just did some research on research to measure the difference on how they answer versus non-professional participants. Anyway, the conversation ended with the client being relieved and happy that Ellen has a point of view that is backed up by data. This put her in a position of trusted advisor and the client as the hero to be able to make the right decision for their research. The other way she could have responded, and this is I've seen this done a lot and I've actually done it a lot, is she could have said, certainly, we'll do that for you right away. But the client doesn't want a Mr. or Mrs. right now. They want a Mr. or Mrs. right. After all, their reputation and their careers are on the line. In addition to corporate and agency researchers, a large part of our audience are recent graduates who are looking for a career in marketing research. This next generation of marketing research professionals is entering our industry at a very unique time. Samay talks about her biggest fear post-graduation. Not getting a job. (laughs) I'm very scared that I won't be qualified for positions that I really want to apply for or even a big company that I want to work for. I'm very nervous about not having a job, especially in this economy right now, too. It's just really hard to not compare yourself, especially like accountants and like finance, like majors who are getting their full-time offers sophomore year. And I'm a marketing major and still don't have a full-time offer yet. But yes, that's, that's my biggest fear right now. I am constantly applying and I'm constantly trying to improve my resume and cover letters to hopefully secure that position that I want in the future. I am also just constantly networking as well to any ad agency or any specific company that I want to work for to really understand how I'm able to get that position possibly post-grad. 
In 2020, there was a lot of fear in the emerging workforce, given the number of opportunities went down so dramatically. This is why it is so important to network. Each person in your network will eventually have an opportunity that is perfect for you. The hard part is the investment that you make in your relationships now before you need them. There are a variety of trade organizations that can help you connect, including the Insights Association, Corks, Greenbook, which they produce their grit reports, and SMR. Back in March, I started a weekly 30-minute virtual lunch just to give people an opportunity to connect. And let's be honest, it was really just to give me an opportunity to connect when we started. Now, every Tuesday, there's about 40 to 70 fun-loving user experience, market research, or consumer experience professionals that get together. Our charter is to make friends, get smarter, and have a lot of fun. We meet every Tuesday, 11 to 11.30 Pacific time. What's the agenda? For the first 10 minutes, we hear from a guest speaker. Their talks usually include one point and a human story. After that, we break into breakout rooms for a group discussion about whatever the topic was proposed by the speaker. Some of our past and upcoming guests are at the VP level of some of the top brands, Roku, IDEO, General Mills, Disney, Mars, KPMG, etc. You can check out the show notes to find the Zoom link, or you can just DM me on LinkedIn and I will send you a personal calendar invitation. Let's end this capstone episode on how to manage a successful career in market research with a personal highlight of mine. My question was, what advice would you give your 10-year younger self? I thought about that question when you posed it, and I'm going to have to steal from Oprah. At the Qualtrics event in 2019, she spoke on the main stage, and somebody asked her that question. And she said, I would tell myself to listen to the whispers. And that just really hit me. What she meant by that was there's always a little nagging, like, "Mm, that doesn't feel right thing that goes on in your head. And you push through it because you don't want to cause waves or you just want to get through this thing or, you know, no, they're not like that. Like you come up with a lot of reasons why you shouldn't listen to the whisper. And most of the times, well, 100% of the time for me, that whisper was right. And so I think that now I really try to, when I'm in a situation and I have that moment of like, oh, to stop and think about it. What's going on here? Why do I want to push forward with this despite the whisper, right? Is that the right thing to do? Intuition is another way to call it, right? It's just, it's paying attention to those red flags and not letting other circumstances kind of push you to ignore them because they will most likely come back and be a much bigger problem at some point. Today's contributing guests, Nadia Masri, serial entrepreneur, founder of Perksy, and Forbes 30 Under 30. Whitney Dunlop-Fowler, founder of Insights in Color. Samay Nita, student and aspiring consumer insights professional. And Rebecca Brooks, founder of Alter Agents. If you would like to hear the long-form interviews, head over to the Happy Market Research website at happymr.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you have an amazing and lovely rest of your day.